0: what we know about COVID is that people turn to games for experiences and connection with people and a sense of fun and community. And it went beyond playing in a silo. It was a very experience oriented thing. So there could be some interesting, very clever marketers that can can tap into that consumer behavior that we're seeing and probably drive some amazing marketing campaigns that could be super interesting to like tap into the moment. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by StoreMaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mobile Growth and Pancakes. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman. I'm VP Marketing at Stormhaven, who was recently uh, recently got acquired by Zynga, which is really exciting. And I'm happy to be here today with uh, Lexi from Data AI, previously known as App Annie. Hey, Lexi.
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here.
1: Awesome. Lexi is the head of insights at uh, Data AI. And before I ask you to tell us a bit about your path and how you got to that uh, that position, you're kind of like known or a synonym in the industry for anything related to the mobile market, Um, I just want to ask who was Annie from App Annie and and how she was related to apps because I asked a ton of people and uh, folks think that Annie is the founder, uh, which is not true. And other people think (laughs) that Annie is the name of the cat of the founder. That's the Uh. uh, the second guess.
0: Yeah, I wish. um, I do wish it was the name of the cat. To be honest, that is amazing. Um, So, App Annie, the old name, it came from. I believe this is before I was at the company. So, this could be the stuff of legends. But what I was told was that we used to be called when we first started App Nanny, and (laughs) like we take care of
1: what a scoop we have here.
0: Right. So it was like, we take care of your apps, I believe. So I wasn't there. This is, again, I feel like this is folklore. I've heard since being at the company, but um, they realized quickly. So in terms of an ASO um, optimization tactic, they realized quickly they were getting a lot of accidental nanny requests. Like people (laughs) thought it was like childcare, not app. Like we take care of your apps. So apparently then they changed to app Annie. um, And so it's more like app analytics kind of app Annie. And then we had a um, kind of, not a mascot, but like a persona. Um, and initially she, so she, her most recent rendition had like red hair and glasses and was like, I think a bit more like studious. Um, but before her first appearance, I believe, and you can probably find this on a Google search. She um, was like Annie in the matrix. Like she was in the matrix of data, like suspended. and <laughs>
1: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably right. not, not the best way. name. Um, yeah, Stormaven, actually, one of the first uh, names name that our founders thought about was that, that competed against Stormaven and lost was uh, Happy Funnel, which is also a very, very bad name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it lived for a day before it, it got uh, thrown away. But uh, yeah, bad names are the stuff of every company that, uh, that starts their, their journey. Cool. Yeah. So um do you wanna tell us a bit about data AI and, and what you guys do and, and just how y- your personal path?
0: Absolutely. So data AI is formally known as AppAMI. Um and we basically provide market data on and analytics on the mobile app ecosystem and digital space. So we're all about empowering people and businesses to kind of make better decisions to succeed on mobile. Um and that starts with, you know, some of the the first movers in the market like gaming um, and where we still see some of the most innovation and sort of sophistication happening, but it's also um, players that are just dipping their toe in mobile for the first time from more mobile forced industries, um, even things like insurance and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we run the whole sort of gamut. We're looking at the full experience of user acquisition, you know, going overseas, entering new markets, evaluating competitors, um, all the way down through monetization, so sort of runs all the good stuff with data. Um, and my personal story, I started in 2015, about, actually about seven, uh, seven years ago. Um, and I started as an analyst on the team and have um, stuck around and <laughs> just love the data. So sort of evolved over time. And yeah, it's been really fun. It's It's been a real fun space. I'm sure you knew that though. Like so dynamic and so much is changing all the time. Um, super
1: fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not boring. Like my previous job <laughs> before Stormhaven was at Ernst and Young, it was like uh, one of the big four accounting companies, uh, doing stuff around international tax, like a field that hasn't changed for so so long, and uh, it's it's just boring, anyways. Um, but uh, definitely, uh, working in mobile is is really fun, and everything changed. I don't know every year or two completely. Um. So today we want to talk a bit about the state of mobile gaming, specifically as we head into 2023. Um, There were also basically a few um, public earnings reports from some of the uh, large gaming companies, not even specifically just for mobile. And everybody's talking about the same thing, a decrease in uh, in revenues, um, uh, some decrease in the number of um, active players, uh, depending how they measure that, MAUs, DAUs. and we also want to talk about how that should affect game marketers or publishing teams um, in the next six to twelve months. So, first of all, can can you give us a bit of an overview of where the mobile game market is in terms of like growth or the lack of growth in in downloads and and revenues?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so we just uh put out a report on our Q three data recently, um, and so we took a look at the sector just. Mobile overall, uh, lots of questions about the impact of inflation and a potential recession on the horizon and what's going on. Um, So basically, what we saw in Q3 was actually across games and apps, um, actually we've seen the highest level of downloads ever for a quarter. Um, I feel a little bit like a broken record because I feel like we say that a lot because it does keep kind of getting bigger and bigger. Um, but I was we were all really curious this quarter in particular, given a lot of the market speculation um, around mobile specifically. And so actually across iOS and Google Play, globally, there were about 38.7 billion downloads, um, which is the biggest quarter the app stores have seen. But then when you look at games specifically, they're about 15 billion, um, which is about 37% of all downloads. And actually, we saw games were up uh, year on year 4%. So we're still seeing growth in downloads for games, which is super positive for the industry. But to your point before, we are, on the other hand, seeing a softening in spend. So in Q3, actually, consumer spend was down 9% year on year for games. And I think for us, what we really look at is, you know, most of us, especially in gaming, but even as a consumer have felt this in real life, you know, COVID was a catalyst for so much of our mobile behavior and particularly for spending in games. So this softening could be a little bit of cooling off from that kind of peak time, Um, but also could be an indication of um, inflation sort of finally hitting that consumer wallet uh, and affecting those sort of disposable purchases right away. so it is something that we're we're keeping keeping tabs on, but ultimately the fact that downloads are still up is super positive for us. Um, and I think going forward with the gaming industry, mobile's still on track to be sixty percent of all spend in games. That uh, this doesn't include advertiser spend. This is just that consumer spend. Um, so that's outside of you know PC, Mac, handheld console, home console, mobile. Mobile is still going to be essentially about. of that ecosystem as of the end of the year. Um, So we are still seeing strong growth, but yes, you're absolutely right. We have seen a little bit of softening. And I think there's a lot of debate around the what and the why. Um, And it could be a lot of... We did see, and we can get into some specific categories and stuff, but basically people started to prioritize getting out and about a lot more. So you started to see that in different choices on the app stores as well you know travel apps travel tracking um uh, we saw getting out to like in person events and restaurants was on the rise like sort of you know gigs music venue kind of ticketing services again um airbnb you know people traveling a lot more um and we did see you know that could be an indication of a little bit of that post covid in a sense where all the re- the restrictions were a bit more relaxed we saw that sort of post covid kind of Burst outside in a way, and so there might have been a little bit of softening from that with people being more out and about. But on the flip side, we still see some of the categories that are growing the fastest on mobile overall are still these um, social elements, these community digital communities, in a sense. And I think gaming is well positioned with how social gaming got as well during the pandemic to still maintain and tap into that thread and be more than entertainment, and it's it, it is connection and community as well. It's not just kind of an escape or playing a game. Um, So I do think I'm pretty positive about that, especially within gaming, that kind of social component.
1: Awesome. There's a few uh, questions that come to mind, but let's uh, talk a bit about the why. So one of the big questions that I see from across the industry is whether that decrease is just, as you said, uh, just a fact that 2021 was an, an unnaturally good year for mobile games uh, on the back of the COVID-induced growth uh, uh, era? Um, Or is it it actually reflects some long-term change in consumer behavior? So one really encouraging uh, uh, anecdote that we have is that the number of downloads is increasing. Um, That shows that folks still want to play games. Um, I know that you also track uh, the... um, the average time spent in in apps, maybe you do that for games as well. Uh, do you see any anything that changed, like in in the underlying dynamic and uh, the behavior of folks around the world that uh, that you know that would stop the the long term growth of games or something like that?
0: That's a really good question. Um, so while there is for consumer spend, while there is softening uh, year on year, so it was about nine percent in Q three. We actually still see 25% growth in consumer spend from pre COVID times. So, from Q3 2019. So, I think it's partly, you know, yes, there's a little bit of softening. We're not 100% sure if it's, you know, it's probably a combination of, you know, inflation or if it's a little bit of this getting out. But on the whole, it's still up. So, I think that um, to your point before, I, I don't think it's necessarily a reversal. I think it's just a slight softening, but still we're on this sort of continual upward trajectory um, for gaming. I think as innovation continues in the space and more you know PC titles migrate or you know, console titles migrate to mobile, I think there's a lot of space um, for this to continue to grow. And especially when you look at things like downloads, like we've already mentioned, where there is strong growth there year on year. Um, Things in the hyper-casual sector are also really interesting because there's a lot of um, more nuanced categories coming out. Like You can start to see some more um, game mechanics that might be in more mid-core games that kind of get adopted into the hyper-casual style. Um, And then it kind of creates its own little, like um, at our company, we'd say game IQ subgenre. We sort of have these multiple sectors and we're seeing more of that sort of segmentation and like maturity in that area. So I feel very positive about mobile gaming is, is here to stay. And I think we got a lot of people involved for the first time during COVID who might not have ever considered themselves gamers. Um, but yes, it is an indication that there is some softening happening right now. But I don't think it's a long-term trend in my mind.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, that as I said, it's a combination of things. And inflation has has its uh, its impact mostly on basically... You know, for it's just more expensive to buy anything else, uh, so, so there's slightly less money to uh, to spend on entertainment. Um, so there's that effect, and and there's of course the it's mostly fear induced, but there's the expectation that. We're headed into a recession uh to be honest actually we don't see the the evidence for that recession just yet there's just a lot of expectations because we see the federal reserve increasing uh the rates and not stopping um and folks um you know it's like the the one-on-one the one-on-one uh economic uh textbook would say that that would lead into a recession so People are, are afraid, and they're starting to cut their expenses as preparation, as a preparation for that upcoming recession, and that could influence uh, a spend on entertainment as a whole. Um, but but I agree, it's it's to me, it's it's kind of a hiccup, uh, and it's not an indication that anything changed in the long term growth of people consuming interactive entertainment in general. So you mentioned that. Uh, um, Uh, You talked a bit about hyper-casual and and categories. Are there any categories that are, you know, booming in this time as as opposed to uh, other games that uh, suffer more?
0: Yes, so um, we we recently put out a report um, that was looking at this question of like, yeah, where are the sort of winners and sort of losers right now in this climate? So we're looking, this view is looking at sort of H1, um, but from a, I can give you kind of a couple metrics. So we looked at downloads, we looked at consumer spend directly through like in-app purchases. Um, and then we looked at time spent because that helps to capture a bit as well of um, monetization that might happen outside the app stores. So for downloads, we actually see, as you might imagine, a lot of the hyper-casual booming still. So actually hyper-casual has, been, is, has hit its sort of highest levels ever um, still. So that's a huge sector of growth for games overall. Um, and we've actually seen a lot of sort of uh, older, not old, but like, you know, not brand new hyper-casual doing particularly well in downloads for a long time, which is um, pretty nice to see. Because I think a year or two ago, a lot of the conversation was like, new ca- hyper-casual launches, right? And it was that continual movement of that base across your portfolio. But now we're actually seeing some of these hyper-casuals maintain really high active users and downloads over time. Full um, action, simulation, other hyper-casual, again, there's that fragmentation appearing. Those have all seen strong some of the strongest sort of deltas, um, looking at H2 to H1 um, for consumer spend. MOBA, Forex, um, x March Battle, Open World RPG, which is really like kind of Genshin Impact, um, merge and match games. All of those subgenres have seen growth um, period over period. And then time spent, we see creative sandbox simulation. The big title there is Roblox, driving a lot of that. Um, simulation sports games doing particularly well for growth, 25% growth in those games period over period. And I would, Watch that one as we head into World Cup season. <laughs> yes. I have the feeling we'll see some nice seasonality, or not seasonality, rather, just natural boost from, from World Cup fervor. Um, we also saw MOBA, again, brew in time spent, word puzzle games in H1 um, with Wordle sort of virality. And that kind of spilled off into sort of positive externalities for all these other word games that people started to get excited usually those word games perform very well in the in western markets or in the US and UK and Australia um but they had an extra boost this year with sort of that interest um that virality happening um, so there's some really strong sectors of growth and then there's also some some genres that are not you know that have taken a bit of that hit initially for a couple of different metrics
1: got it yeah I think it's also if you, if you think about those those influences that we talked about um, it's probably related also to the to monetization as well like if games are obviously monetized through ads and you know gamers or or consumers don't have the expectation they would need to pay a lot ongoingly on in-app purchases in order to progress in the game or just to even get a good game experience um, which is kind of like people know that it's 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 in the awareness of, of pretty much all gamers that there are some games that could be free to download of course but uh, they would require a lot of money in order to actually progress in the game or to unlock the the really good content so it's clear to me that games that can uh, that can provide that experience through in-app advertising would attract more uh, more players at this time, so hyper casual is, of course, uh, the number one, the number one uh, indication of that. But other genres as well. Um, the, what do you think about that? There's, uh, do you think uh, in the next uh, year or so we would see more game developers uh, moving towards in in app advertising as opposed to in app purchases? I think that King um, recently introduced a lot of uh, in game ads. Uh, or rewarded ads uh, really recently. So so that might be an interesting move.
0: Yeah, we actually, um, we did a report, I, I think around the half year point, um, where we partnered with IDC and we had some survey data around sentiment towards in-game ads. Um, and interestingly, a lot of users were saying, "Yep, yeah, happy to accept ads for free services. All good. Um, but also we were like pretty bullish on, but I want privacy and and sort of that sort of thing. Um, but then we also saw that sort of, um on a lot of rate right areas, like you we saw some pretty positive trends that sentiment across different ad types were performing better. So rewarded videos had rel- had strong positive sentiment overall. Playable ads still had some positive sentiment. And this is particularly around u s. gamers. Um, Banner ads weren't super loved um, and video ads were sort of the least liked Um, and our kind of assumption here and digging into data is that it's likely that sort of disruption to the gameplay, you're not getting something straight from it, you know, with a rewarded ad, you can kind of advance within the game still, whereas video ads, um, it seemed a lot of, from a sentiment basis, gamers were not loving because it was a little bit more disruptive probably to the gameplay Um, So that's super positive. We have seen um, hyper casual games, which tend, as you would know, uh, tend to monetize with in-app ads. We've actually seen those um, more hybrid models growing in those. So I think there's this still a little bit of the losing access to some data from IDFA um, and some concerns there for publishers where they're trialing. We're seeing more of that trialing out of in-app purchases in traditional ad-based games as well. So I do think that no matter like where you are in that sort of gaming place, I, I do think that there's a lot of hybrid tactics being trialed. So if you're typically more ad-based, we're seeing you know, about 30% growth from the beginning of the year for hyper-casuals incorporating some form of in-app purchase. Um, and then on the flip side, seeing those that are traditionally more in that purchase base, we are seeing there's some elements of introducing ads to kind of diversify that stream. And I think what you're saying feels correct to me in that in an economy where you're expecting to see a reduction in consumer spend, um, that it's natural to try to make that back up by introducing an alternative revenue stream like advertising, because um, we're actually seeing time on mobile is at an all-time high. We saw 2 trillion hours on, mo- on Android phones only um in h one being spent on mobile, it's up about eleven percent year on year, really strong growth. Um I think you alluded to sort of per day time spent, which is for most major markets sitting around like five hours a day on average per person <laughs> spending that time on the phone. Um so that's where, especially for something like advertising, where, you know, it's about the the eyeballs and um the depth of time and, that's really key, I think. Um and I also think there's this level of and this was something we sort of touched on earlier, which you know, pandemic kind of accelerated. but there's um there's more diversity, it seems in games in gamer demographics. Um, so you know, when we were looking at some of the top charts um in the u s, we saw that you know, fifty percent of consumer spend um in the top games sort of skewed fifty percent of those games for, Consumer spend skewed female for your top 10 in the U.S. So there's this interesting, and we're seeing more Gen X and baby boomers actually are one of the fastest growing segments for gamers in the U.S. <laughs> Gen Z is still the biggest kind of portion, but for for growth, um, just a growth rate, we actually saw that baby boomers and Gen X are growing the fastest of all of the segments, which was super interesting because that's... um probably a little bit more positive in the sense that they control the biggest chunk of disposable wealth or income in the. US for instance and um, so there's a lot of I think there's a, a lot to be said about where the gaming industry is and um where it's positioned right now um I feel overall positive
1: <laughs> definitely I think that that you also touch a, a... On a lot of dynamics that make uh, that make in app ads uh, work really good in, in this upcoming, uh, I don't know, again six to twelve months, um, because perhaps performance marketing take a hit, and we see that across the industry, like QA teams are reducing uh, or shrinking their their budgets, adjusting their profitability targets, their their return on ad spend uh, targets, and overall spending less as a whole we, we see that across the industry when we speak with a lot of ua teams um that being said i think that brand advertising is is on the rise and and mobile is the perfect channel to reach pretty much as you said like a very diverse group like it's cross generation um very diverse demographics so you can reach a lot of folks on mobile games uh, as a brand not specifically just a game brand just as I don't know a normal fashion brand or, or a sports brand. Uh, you can you can reach those folks. So I think that even though it seems that in this in the next year or so um, the the CPMS or the eCPMS that publishers can get by uh, going to in app ads would be uh, you know decreasing pretty fast because demand for ads would go down. I don't think that would be the case. I think that um, we and I'm going back to the 2020 when covid uh, just uh, started uh, to break and and we saw and a lot of brands actually learned from that period because because some of them just cut all of all marketing costs uh, they fired all of their marketing team all of their advertising teams Airbnb was one of the the earliest uh, brands that, that did that and everybody in the industry quickly saw that it was the wrong move like it it takes a lot of time to ramp up a marketing operation and uh, user acquisition operation. Um, And and it just wasn't the right move to just stop doing marketing at this time and respond uh, like that. So I think in this upcoming recession, if it actually uh, happens and it's as bad as people think, uh, we won't see brands cutting off all of their marketing and UA efforts. And I think one of the main points that, that they would double down on would be brand advertising. And that's exactly what, uh, Airbnb, they, they just published a report, I think on the wall street journal, um, about Airbnb doubling down on brand advertising and how it, uh, kind of became their leading, uh, marketing span category, uh, as opposed to performance marketing on their case, specifically search, uh, advertising, um, so I think uh, folks switching to in-app ads would enjoy uh, pretty good eCPMs uh, because of that uh, incoming demand from brand advertising. Um, what he said about rewarded videos make a ton of sense because um, in, in a time where consumers want to spend less on entertainment, but they still want to play games, and we see that from the download figures and the, the time spent in apps that you mentioned, um, they ju- they're just looking for alternative and... The least intrusive methods to unlock new content and get and, and play and get a good game experience without spending money and rewarded ads uh, are the perfect example of that. That's that's exactly the balance of the the intrusiveness the, the users are willing to accept uh, and what kind of value that the needs to be delivered to them. Um, in exchange for that, that interruption. So I think rewarded ads is going to be extremely strong in the next year. Um, When thinking about like what, uh, what marketing teams and publishing teams need need to do uh, in in the next year. So I think we we talked about and that's also in the, uh, for monetization teams, um, exploring if, if they didn't explore it yet, um, moving to kind of a hybrid model of offering alternative ways to progress in the game. Uh, again, I think I saw King doing that with Candy Crush, and, and they did uh, pretty well, um, which is offering uh, reward videos um, and basically balancing out their, or or at least... Uh, mitigating the the impact on LTVs, because if a recession happens, of course, users pay less and and the average revenue per per user for in-app purchases goes down. You can make up for that through in-app ads, at least uh, uh, make up for some of it. Um, That would increase their LTV and would justify them spending more on on uh, UA and seeing uh, positive ROAS. It would increase the ROAS. Uh, that's extremely important because another thing we saw in COVID was that at these times, there's a huge opportunity for user acquisition. At a time where there's a lot of companies, and and in this case, performance marketing teams reducing budgets, uh, that impacts the the, the economics of the, of the advertising market. Like CPIs become uh, I don't want to say lower because they usually don't go lower, but they're they're becoming better, and some companies really took advantage of that in the days of COVID and and acquired tens of millions of users in the, in that period and then engaged them in in the following years, uh, and I think that that would be a possibility again for for really smart UA uh, uh, game UA companies to um, double down on. On, on that and take advantage of the lower, uh, acquisition costs. Um, what, what do you think in terms of like messaging? Do you think that messaging, uh, marketing teams should, should also shift their messaging like away from, uh, or towards this game can be played? Like you can get a great experience for free in this game or something around those, uh, those lines.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it, it's a really interesting area. Cause I think what you're saying is super super true about, like there can be a really smart play in these times where, as you mentioned, there's some smart UA um, game companies who are sort of doubling down and doing things really well. And what we've seen is as an interesting sector, I think beyond gaming, and I think it would apply to gaming too, is this concept of like switchers. So people in this time when they're price sensitive are um, usually sort of primed from a brand advertising perspective, for instance, that they might be more willing to switch to a different service. Um, so there's this there is this really nice time where it could mean um, you know, targeting your competitor or, you know, even if it's a competitor game or if it's a brand advertise wanting to advertise um in this space, which kind of bolsters the ecosystem generally, um that that's switchers offer like a really unique opportunity. Um, there's also maintaining loyalty of your users and things like that. but The messaging of this, I think, is really interesting. And I think I'm really curious to see, because I think we'll start to see some of the indications of where consumers are affected with, like, even Netflix introducing an ad-based tier. I think that that's a really interesting one for us to keep our eyes on to see how that performs. Um, Because I think that could be a really great way to see if these sort of um, reducing that consumer burden right now, if people are like, yes, I will trade off and, you know, take some ads. Um, and I think that same concept can apply to games. I also think right now there's, you know, the, the like you mentioned before, how we, there's a lot of questions about a recession, but the interesting part was that a lot of the macro data shows that consumer spending um, and jobs as well are not, at least, you know, as of last I had looked, we're not indicating the same Movement of that's why it, you know part of the reason it hasn't been called a recession quite yet, right? Um, is that consumer spend is still high in the market level, and you know unemployment levels are still low. And um, so I think that this is an interesting time where we see you know some of the things we thought we'd expect we're not seeing. So there's the lipstick index, which is sort of where the theory goes, or behind this is that um, in times of economic downturn, when people have less money. They buy like lipsticks have performed very well, very robust because it's this sort of um, the idea of a simple luxury. Right. Um, and actually, what's really interesting and I actually think, well, I think it was like during the Great Depression in the U.S., like baked goods were another one that was like resistant. Like people wanted sugar and happiness. And that yes. was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now, what like they said, is that it, there's some indicators that are sort of shaking things up. Like some lipstick companies in terms of quarterly earnings and makeup companies have reported not performing as well as they thought they would have in this climate. What has performed really well, um, to bring it back to your your example with Airbnb, is experiential companies like Airbnb. Travel has done well. Um, I believe fast food, like, uh, you know, getting those, I don't know, in the U.S., like, the expensive lattes and things like the pumpkin spice latte is so big. Um, But these sort of small luxuries um, that are consumable versus like a lipstick, for instance. So I think there's a lot of, there are these sort of things that are sort of bucking trends. And it's really hard, I think, for a lot of people to, to predict how consumers are going to behave because it's so different to how in previous times these were more reliable indicators Um, And I think that's why like monitoring data. And I think that's where mobile comes in because you'll see a lot of this stuff happening at first on mobile um, as well. And I think that that's where it's really interesting for marketers um, to consider is like this messaging and in the context of what we know about consumers right now versus maybe what we thought, um, is there a way that you can make it more experiential oriented for your gaming marketing? Um, Because what we know about COVID is that people turn to games for experiences and connection with people and a sense of fun and community. and it went beyond, um, you know, playing in a silo. It was a very experience oriented thing. So there could be um some interesting, very clever marketers that can can tap into that consumer behavior that we're seeing and probably drive some amazing marketing campaigns, whether it's branding or performance right now. That could be super. Um, super interesting to like tap into the moment
1: yeah i I think that yeah, one of the games that are uh, that are that is still doing very, very well is among us, which was like a uh, an amazing growth story of within covid it's it's a very social game you play it with a bunch of uh other strangers or or friends so It's way more fun with friends um and it's still doing really, really well, so I agree with you on on that um experience uh, side of things and in terms of things not happening as we as we expect them to uh, i think it's really important to to note because kind of like reading all these earnings reports by all these game public game companies you kind of get the sense that folks have already decided like there's a recession it's happening and they're acting on it now Yes, there are a lot of actions that you can do to like, kind of insure yourself against uh, th- that happening. And there's definitely that annual decrease that we're seeing. But again, a big chunk of that is influenced by the fact that last year was just unnaturally high. Um, but um, I, what I don't want folks to do is to stop monitoring because if you act too soon, if you decide, right, a recession is happening, although unemployment is really low, um consumer spend is growing across many different categories um then you just miss out you'll miss out and and you'll act too soon um and and it's kind of like a concept like acting from expectations that this is how the financial markets work like why do we even think that a recession is happening because the financial market reflect or, or bake in a lot of expectations if you look at uh uh two, five and ten year um, U.S. bond yields uh, that actually reflect some of the expectations of folks of how the the economy would do. Uh, And if you look at them right now, it shows that uh, the consensus or the view of the market is that there is definitely going to be a recession. so folks are already acting as if it's happening, but but in the meantime, it could be months or or a quarter or two before anything uh, really uh, you, you really feel it. So uh, so monitoring is extremely important to not act uh, too soon and miss out on on opportunities. Um, <clears throat> sorry, we're running a bit out of time, but. Uh, before we we end our, our really uh, insightful conversation, I wanted to ask you, uh, given that the name of the podcast is Mobile Growth and Pancakes, what is <laughs> your favorite pancake? Uh, I know that you live now in Australia uh, and you're American, so uh, this can go uh, multiple ways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, I am a big fan of pancakes for sure. Um, and I personally love... Um, buttermilk blueberry pancakes and I'm I'm a little bit particular with my my blueberries I like the really small wild blueberries so if you're in the U.S. that would be like Maine blueberries um or there's I'm sure like a lot of like Scandinavian countries have those like you know when they grow in like cold climates and they're really small but they're so tasty um yes those would be my favorite I think if you had asked me when I was a teenager growing up um it would have been and this probably I don't don't judge me. It would have been like chocolate chip pancakes with like peanut butter and syrup. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> nice. tastes
0: like a Reese's peanut butter cup for breakfast.
1: <laughs> I still like it in, in the age of 34. Um, yes. it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When my it's daughter delicious. asks, my daughter sometimes asks me to, to make pancakes and I've kind of said, yes, I can make pancakes and eat. I like, I, I make it because like if she's the one uh, enjoying it. I, I enjoy yes. it uh, even better. Um, Awesome. So thank you very much, Lexi. This was very insightful and I, I'm optimistic. I think the that long-term folks would consume entertainment, consume interactive entertainment, and mobile gaming is, is have many, many years of growth uh, ahead of it. So uh, thanks for the conversation <laughs> and uh, making me optimistic.
0: <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> and thanks for having me.
1: Also, what's your favorite you. pancake? <laughs> my, my these days uh, bacon and maple, like I get to hear everybody uh, everybody's answer to that question. But um, somebody said bacon and maple like uh, several weeks ago, and I just got into an eating frenzy of uh, bacon and maple pancakes. Um,
0: is it bacon on the side or is is it's, it? It's in- on
1: top. You just throw it on top and pour maple on top of it. Um, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> cool. You're the first person, you're the first person that asked me what, what kind of pancake I like. So uh, thank you.
0: <laughs> of course. I literally, I'll send you a photo next weekend. I'll be trying it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks. And that was mobile growth and pancakes. To find out more about store Maven and how we can improve app store performance, visit storemaven.com. And then make sure to search for mobile growth and pancakes and Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StormAven, thanks for listening.